This is important because it creates a habit. The habit creates an ease. The ease creates a fluency. The fluency creates a confidence. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, I most recently heard your convention talk, Cultivating Language Arts, Preschool Through High School. And, of course, this is something near and dear to my heart because of my grandchild who is a preschooler. And if you don't mind, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking specifically about this idea of dictation, narration, copywork, and what you can do to help cultivate language arts at the very young age, or maybe for those students who are not quite cooked yet, as what you might say. Sure. Yeah, this is a great talk. And um, I, I fear that I am going to have to divide it into two talks, because what usually happens is every time I give it, I think of one more interesting little thing or story or illuminating insight to add in, mm-hmm. and you can't keep adding in, and then you go to a conference where it's 50 minutes instead of 60, and what do I cut? So I I would probably like to divide it into basically younger children. Mm-hmm. So you've got your pre, you know, preschool age, three and a half to five and a half, somewhere in that zone, and then your primary grades, um, because there's so much that can be said there. And and then with the older kids, it's kind of like you're still doing that stuff, only a little differently. And then you add in a lot more. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that uh, I have pointed out that many people have realized is that some of these things that have been done for hundreds, if not thousands of years in order to cultivate good language skills – are very marginalized mm-hmm. or even eliminated completely in kind of the modern education venue. The The most obvious of those would be memorized language, oh, right. yeah. which we're not talking about today, but we can link people to that mm-hmm. because there's so much to be said about vil- building vocabulary and more complex grammar and syntax patterns into the mind and that's just like the foundation of everything. And that idea of memorization has kind of been not well appreciated by modern education theory that somehow memorizing is not creative or it's a waste of time or it's tedious, it's rote learning, it's... Well, it's unnecessary because anything that you would need to memorize, you can find on your phone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And side by side with that, 
I think we see the elimination of copy work、mm. as a method of helping children gain skill, competence, speed, confidence, fluency, all of those things that are just going to make writing, whether it's on paper now or typing when they're a little older, easier. And so I I kind of have tried to. Promote for people the idea that really, when you're dealing with a young child—I'm talking five, six, seven, eight years old—it's way more important that they gain those skills than that they be creative、mm. in written expression. And yet, so many schools have kind of got this upside down—that creativity is the most important thing—and then they don't do the kind of more. What they would perceive as mechanical or dry or uncreative skills that will make the creativity better down line. So、uh, this idea of copy work is, in some circles, a little controversial. Oh, okay. So it is kind of along the same line of the memorization unnecessary, a waste of time, that kind of idea. Yeah, I think so. Or, or that you know, it's tedious. We don't、mm -hmm. want. To force children to do tedious things,、mm -hmm. but my observation is that we learn pretty much everything through imitation. Right. I mean, the reason we speak English is because our parents spoke English and、mm -hmm. we imitated them. The reason that someone sounds like they're maybe from Minnesota <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> Alabama is <clears throat> because of imitation. Sure. And so. Copy work is a natural extension of that natural inclination for children to copy. In fact, before they even know what they're really doing, they'll pick up some pen or crayon or hopefully not a sharpie marker, and they'll find <laughs> something and they'll try to do what what they see adults in their world or older children doing. Sure. So、uh, this idea of copy work, we can unpack this. Why is it valuable?、Mm -hmm. And and I would argue that at the young age, it's more valuable than any other kind of creative writing you could do.、Mm. Even though it's kind of in many people's mind the opposite、sure. of creative writing. Well, you think about learning to make letters、mm -hmm. and learning to write words. You know, these are patterns. You can't possibly learn them without imitating the pattern, and we've been doing this for enough centuries or millennia to know that the best way to to imitate is to do it precisely, right? Right. And this is true whether and we've talked about things like music, drawing, other art forms, sports.、Mm -hmm. You don't just kind of say, "Here, try to do what you see." That's bad teaching,、mm. right?、Mm -hmm. Instead, you would say, "Here, do it this way." And I make the point in that talk that when children start to try to, you know, write letters, and you get into copy work, things that seemingly aren't that important, like stroke order, right? When you make a letter, which line do you make first? Right. Which line do you make second? This is important because it creates a habit.、Mm -hmm. The habit creates an ease.、Mm -hmm. The ease creates a fluency. The fluency creates a confidence. And if you've got a child who's kind of 
randomly trying to copy a letter without any modeling of how to do that in what we do know is the best way, Mm -hmm. that will handicap them down Mm the line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I meet some kids who came out of a school or their parents didn't attend to that. And you watch them write, and it's just painful. It's like, Mm -hmm. this would be so much easier for you if you would just do it the right way. But they don't know. Right. And uh, so I always suggest, you know, those – you remember, I'm sure, in school, those little alphabet strips. Mm -hmm. There was one on the wall above the chalkboard, and then there was one on everybody's desk. Mm -hmm. And it had all the letters of the alphabet, and then it had all those little tinier – numbers and arrows. So I'd have like a little arrow with a one, make this motion first, and then another arrow with a two, make this motion next. And Mm -hmm. in the rare case where you had three motions, there'd be that. And you would just always do it that way. Mm -hmm. And so just from the formation of letters, building the the habit, which creates the, the speed and the confidence... Then, of course, there's spelling, right? Mm-hmm. And when Well, before you go on to spelling, I sure. just want to insert a little anecdote here. I had to reteach myself how to do manuscript correctly when I became a school teacher. So my sloppy writing was not going to work for those first graders I taught. So I went through the discipline of teaching myself stroke order, correct lines. This is a straight, oh, it's not a curvy line. It's a straight line. Mm. (laughs) Who knew? And so I would just testify, it's never too late to learn stroke order. So if you have a teenager who cannot write legibly, it's okay to do copy work, right? I I lived in Japan for three years, as Mm -hmm. you know, and I got on this idea of teaching myself to write in Japanese because I thought I could... Learn to. I actually thought if I could write it, I could read better, mm-hmm. which did happen. Yes, sir. And if I could read and write it, then I could live in Japan more happily and more successfully. Well, here in the United States, we only have one alphabet. In Japan, they have three. Yeah, so, oh my goodness. And, and <laughs> no small task. Either. One of them has a thousand characters right. or more to learn. But there's no negotiation in Japanese. You don't debate whether you would use the correct stroke order. You have to do it because otherwise it's just simply not going to be legible Mm -hmm. and you will not be able to function. So there's absolutes when it comes to writing Japanese characters and and the Chinese characters in Japanese. Mm -hmm. So when I lived there, I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. If you do it the right way, it's so much better Mm -hmm. than if you don't. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I came back and started to teach writing and, and my own children were starting to write, I... I realized this attentiveness to this small detail can make all the difference. And then, of course, we have the problem of spelling. Mm-hmm. And there's two ways we spell words. One is we think, and then we write what we think. And the other one is we do it automatically, right? And we would hope that, you know, by a certain age, almost all the words we need to write we can do it automatically, Mm -hmm. right? I don't have to sit around and think how what letters to use to write the word would, (laughs) W-O-U-L-D, which doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. but that's the way it is. Now, how did I get to that point? By writing that word again and again and again and again, 
however many dozens or hundreds or thousands of times until I would do it without thinking about it.、Mm-hmm. So there's no way to get good, quick, consistent, easy spelling without the repetition of writing words.、Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to know it, and that's okay, but it's another thing to move to where it's automatic. Right. And again, the copy work is going to provide the best means of moving it from that. I know this word, and I could probably spell it if you made me try. To boom, I wrote it, and I didn't even think about it.、Mm-hmm. But if you don't do repetition of writing it on paper, how are you ever going to get from one place to the other?、Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to be fifteen years old trying to figure out how to spell the word "would."、Mm-hmm. It 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 would be a a handicap, a burden. And depressing, probably.、Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you know, there are people. So、uh, this is why I'm really strongly promoting this idea of, you know, copy work. What what it, you know, and starting in an easy way. And you can start with print. You can start with cursive. There's a debate about which you should do.、Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to do it,、right. and to do a little bit every day. And watch it get easier and easier and easier. Right, and this is where I'm going to plug two of our products: printing with letter stories. If you're wanting to do stroke order in manuscript, and our cursive knowledge, which also teaches stroke order and cursive, and included with both of these courses are copywork exercises. But that's the big question, Andrew: at what age is too late? We kind of talked about that, but perhaps more importantly, is what what do you copy? Well, age is just such a hard thing to pin because I have certainly met children who, at even as young as age four,、mm-hmm. are wanting to write words and letters. Right, and why not start?、Mm-hmm. You know, you start in a way that's appropriate. Children by six or so, we think, okay, grade one—that's where it all formal academic year starts、mm-hmm. or something. But I've also met children who couldn't. Do that, no matter how hard you tried to make them. Sure. At that young age, and they take to it much more easily a year or two or or more later. Right. And we've talked, of course, a lot about my son Chris、mm-hmm. and how he really started writing on paper around ten years old,、mm-hmm. because before that, the dyslexic dysgraphic stuff just made it overwhelmingly painful.、Mm-hmm. But you know, at that later age, he was able to start and do decently well. He could copy about a hundred words in twenty minutes, and did that for a good year, year and a half, to build up his fluency. And、uh, so, I, I really am very hesitant to put age or grade with when someone should do something, just because all children are so different. Sure, but. Uh, the most important thing I, I think is doing it, doing it in a way that the child is not overly stressed by, and then having some kind of motivational system if、mm-hmm. necessary, and then keeping at it until you know they they kind of time out, they kind of show you that this is easy enough that it's not necessary to keep doing it. It's it's like. You know, a, a sport or a piece of music thing that you're learning, you do it until it's easy, and then you move on, and you use that as you're doing increasingly complex things. So, 
But uh, and and what to copy? Well, you know, it could be anything. Uh, I know I have a grandson who copies one verse of scripture、mm-hmm. three times a day, every day for a week. And what happens is he memorizes the thing、mm-hmm. as well as learns how to spell all the words. Nice. As well as speeds up his. Uh, handwriting, which、mm-hmm. is a little on the slow side, because he has this perfectionist tendency,、mm-hmm. right? And、mm-hmm. sometimes kids they want to get every letter perfect, and if it goes a little bit over or under the line or doesn't, they get kind of oh, it's ugly, oh, it's bad. So, you know, he kind of just has to do enough where doing it close to perfect isn't taking forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Um, and then there's other kids who just hey, just I'll do it. I don't even care if anybody can read it. I just want to be out of here.、Mm-hmm. You know, you get that other、mm-hmm. kind of anti-perfectionist <laughs> personality. But you can copy poems.、Uh, Mrs. Ingham, when she was with us the last time, talked a little bit about how the children would memorize a poem, and then they would write the poem from memory, and then they would check. Their written version with the printed version, and how satisfying、yes. that was、yeah. for for them. And、uh, y- you know, we we forget what it's like for a young child to do something like that, and how it can be satisfying.、Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that old people, you know, teachers and parents don't. Project onto children that must be boring. Right. Children do a lot of things that are engaging to them that might look boring、mm-hmm. to us,、mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, there is that. And I just I remember Mrs. Ingham, you know, in her delightful ninety-some-year-old child ch- childlike way of being so delighted、mm-hmm. and and showing the delight of children. And then you know they can copy stories. They could copy anything they're interested in. My son chose to do f- for his copy work the is like the Usborne Book of Knights or something,、mm-hmm. and so it was full of medieval weaponry.、Mm-hmm. I think that's so he could copy a few words, look at a picture of a battle axe, kind of restore his soul. <laughs> copy a few more words, see a cool dagger,、mm-hmm. you know.、Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't think what a child copies. Is all that important compared to the fact that they are doing it regularly、mm-hmm. up to a certain point? Sure, sure. So that's copy work, dictation or nar- narration. What what would be the next thing we want to talk about? Well, these words are sometimes confused. Yes, by people.、Mm-hmm. So maybe just to define them. Sure. Narration generally is when you are telling information. That goes through time. Okay, right. That's the general sense of the word. So, you can narrate a sequence of events. You could narrate a story. You could narrate a trip that you took. You could narrate a process, like making cookies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Um, and so, there's a time element, and essentially, you're you're telling what happened.、Mm-hmm. And so, this is something that. Charlotte Mason talks about in her books on home education. Right, is the value of cultivating this habit in young children of narrating their experience,、mm-hmm. 
Whereas dictation, we would think of as someone telling someone else something that they are going to write down.、Mm-hmm. Uh, we even have that word, you know. Before there were fancy technologies, people would have secretaries, and they would dictate a letter,、mm-hmm. and the secretary would maybe write it in shorthand and、mm-hmm. then type it up. So that idea of dictation, and in our world of education of children, it can go both ways. One way is for children to hear what you're saying. So you dictate to a child, they hear. What you're saying, and try to write down what they hear you say.、Mm-hmm. There's value in that. Could also go the other way. They could dictate to you what they want to go into print.、Mm-hmm. So narration is a little less formal. There's no artifact. It's just part of an experience that cultivates speaking skills. And、uh, so you know, sometimes I tell the story of.、Uh, You know, one of my daughters、uh, was just the right age when、uh, my wife and older daughter and I were all reading Charlotte Mason. We're like, "This is a great idea."、Mm-hmm. So we really focused on her, and and you know, would do something, and then we would say, "Okay, so how do we do that? What do we do? Or you take a nature walk? What what do we see?" Now, children won't always get the right order in things because. As we all do, we have kind of a random access memory function that goes to the the highest intensity thing first.、Uh, we won't necessarily always start at the beginning, but with practice, that can happen. You say, "That's great." What was the first thing, and what do we do after that?、Right. And then what do we do? And then what do we do? And so this builds the fluency of of relating experiences. It also helps move specific vocabulary into the active zone.、Hmm. For example, if you make cookies with a child and you have them tell back what you did, they may have to use certain words in doing that that they wouldn't normally use during the course of a day. Maybe something like measuring cup、mm-hmm. or. Whisk mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the ingredient or、mm-hmm. something, and so、uh, you're reinforcing active vocabulary. Sometimes in specialized areas, right? Or you take a nature walk. What did you see? Well, you might see things that you wouldn't necessarily see on a day when you didn't take that walk. Right. So, yep. The the chipmunk gnawing on the acorn. <laughs> okay. Right. So. Right. Yeah.、Uh, so there's that aspect. There's the building in a good chronological sense, and then what I've noticed is that kids who do this develop two other kind of peripheral skills. One is attention to detail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you have the habit of narrating back experiences you've had, and every you know every day or so often you're doing this, you start to fill in more of the details. You're you're Exercising your memory,、mm, right? Exactly,、um, and and so that's a that's a great ability to have.、Mm-hmm. It's I think Aristotle called it noticing things. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like wouldn't we all be better off、right? if we noticed、right. more things? The other thing I have seen is kind of this natural ability of children to kind of tell stories better. Yes, yes, where they. 
they they get a sense of where is it going to be more interesting or exciting, and then they they will use their voice to amplify yep. that more interesting or exciting moment. This is where I insert a story, mm-hmm. of course, about my granddaughter and how she does narration. Uh-huh. She always starts off with, once upon a time, there was a little girl named Lucy. Uh. <laughs> and then she goes through whatever story she's wanting to tell about herself. And you say artifacts, and there's generally no artifacts. Well, we have this really cool thing now called video. Yes. <laughs> so we have videotaped her telling one story and where she's describing hide-and-seek, and she's playing hide-and-seek with Papa Mitch. That's her grandfather on the other side of the family and Mm -hmm. she hid in a drawer in the kitchen and he could not find her and so it just it was just so much fun to watch her narrate the story and of course she had to act it out and showed how she how she hid so yeah I think that's a, a wonderful skill for you know preschool it's certainly elementary as as they're learning how to tell back and then of course we bring that into our Nine, nine units where the students are using a keyword outline and telling it back. Exactly, exactly. And then that carries over into the writing because, right. as I've said before, when you write something, you basically have an idea. Mm-hmm. It can pre-exist in your memory or imagination or it can come externally. It can pre-exist in words like a story that you read or heard. It can right. pre-exist in you know, sight, sound, sensation, memory. But wherever it is, you have to speak that idea into existence, Mm -hmm. hear what you heard yourself say, and hold that in your brain, in your mind, long enough to then go wrestle the words onto paper. And so that speaking it into existence and holding it in your memory are two complex things that can be practiced. And, and you know, I was actually recording another podcast earlier this morning okay. before we started this. And, um, you know, one of the questions was, why don't kids like to write? You know, kids who don't like to write, why not? The simple answer is they get overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the process. Mm-hmm. So these are ways to break that process into smaller, yep. more manageable steps with copywork and narration. Yep. So dictation, as you said, it can kind of go both ways. I I love that because if you have a young child who actually can't write, they can still see that process of speaking words out loud and they turn into an artifact. Right. And, you know, I'm often encouraging parents to do this with a whiteboard Mm -hmm. because then it's even more, it has a greater impact. So the child says once upon a time Mm -hmm. and starts their story or whatever uh, and they see it, the the parent or teacher writing it on a whiteboard. It's like, wow, that's mm-hmm. powerful. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I suspect you get things like this too, but I get uh, presents from grandchildren um, which are written and illustrated by... Mm, not yet. A child yes. who doesn't actually write on paper... I see, right. ...but dictates the story. Mm-hmm. Mom writes it down... And then he draws pictures, the pictures, yep. And then they make it into a little book, and mm-hmm. then that's what I get for Christmas or I Father's love that, Day Andrew. or whatever. We also think of dictation as part of the process of helping children hold units of thought in their memory. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, this has probably been taught with spelling. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so there would be some spelling words, and the parent or teacher would make a sentence using one or more of those spelling words, and then the child would attempt to write the you know not just the spelling word, but the whole sentence.、Mm-hmm. And this, I will admit, is time-consuming. Yes, you know, to get one child to. Hear and remember and listen and write an entire ten-word sentence. Yes, <laughs> can be a a, a long process.、Mm-hmm. And is it worth it? Probably. How much time do you want to spend? That's a question you'd have to think of yourself. But as I as I reflect on the process, I think well, writing is kind of like you have to talk to yourself and remember what you said. So. Being able to listen to what someone else says and remember that long enough to write it down is really a great training for listening to what you hear yourself thinking, which、right. is going to be a little harder to hold on to. So、right. uh, we do see pretty much universally the shrinking memory、mm. of modern people.、Mm-hmm. We just don't memorize things. We don't cultivate memory. We Uh, don't depend on memory the way people did, you know, even fifty, but certainly a hundred years ago or more. Sure. So, you know, sometimes we get frustrated that a young child can only remember like three or four words, and then he forgets the whole rest of it. Does that mean it's not worth doing, or does that mean maybe we should consider making it a little more important to be able to hear something? Hold it in the memory, and then practice transcribing that. Right, and I, sorry, just have to do another product plug here. It's <laughs> kind of my job. It is your job. But the phonetic zoo, of course, you give the words. This is an auditory spelling program. You give the words, you spell the word, and then you use it in a sentence. And a child could actually use that as a dictation exercise, where they could pause. And write down. The yeah,、sentence. they would have to pause、yeah. the recording for sure.、It'd、I mean, it wasn't、fast. designed for that purpose.、Mm-hmm. And you know, I think a parent or teacher can do this better、mm-hmm. because they would have a, a clearer sense of how long a unit of of words would be appropriate、right. for that particular child or that particular group of children. Right. Right. But you know, again, it's it's kind of as though. Our keyword outlines are a huge step in that direction,、yep. and I will say that、uh, in the talk to to touch on what we started with cultivating language arts.、Uh, when I get to the middle school, I talk about the idea that students not just listen to something, but they listen and take notes.、Mm-hmm. So middle school is a perfect time to do this. Uh, if they go to church, there's sermons or homilies. Maybe there's appropriate content, documentary film,、mm-hmm. and they could, you know, hear a sentence and then write down key words from that sentence. Hear the next sentence, write down two or three key words. So they're actually making a keyword outline from auditory language,、mm-hmm. and then practice telling it back. So、mm-hmm. that kind of combines all of these things into one. Unit of activity that is more complex and yet certainly doable for most 
middle school aged kids. And what a great skill to yep. take into adulthood. Huh? Yep. Yep. I think, you know, all three of these activities, copy work, dictation, narration, super important, perhaps starting in preschool, maybe moving on up through middle school with some of these activities. How much time should a parent or teacher focus on this these particular skills? That's just not a question that mm-hmm. I ever answer. I mm-hmm. mean, every family is different. Sure. Priorities are different. Kids' attentiveness are different. You know, some yeah. kids can do a lot more in 15 minutes yep. than other kids who yep. aren't going to. So, you know, I think the the main thing isn't how much time, but are you able to practice consistently a little bit every day? There you go. That's where yep. you get the growth. Yep, a little bit every day. And, you know, this is my recreation major background, you want to leave the students, leave your child at a place where they're wanting more. Mm-hmm. So that's that motivation. That's that incentive. Don't do it too long where you're just burning them out, but just giving them a little bit less than what perhaps they want to do so that they're looking forward to coming back to it tomorrow. Yeah, it's always better to stop before the child gets to a point of exhaustion. Yeah. Like, I'm done. I hope I never have to do that again. Right. We don't want to get that far in. Well, this is probably the closest we've ever touched on, this idea of perhaps something that could be called a Charlotte Mason approach. But we do have families that occasionally ask about this. Does this work well with someone who's wanting to do this? And, of course, the answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not at all fluent with the whole Charlotte Mason world, mm-hmm. uh, the underlying philosophies I'm vaguely familiar with, literature mm-hmm. rich, of course, yes. and reading out loud to your children, not stressing on starting too young. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, we, we follow Charlotte Mason's idea, so we don't want to do writing until, you know, the child is eight or nine. I'm like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no reason why you should feel pressured to start earlier than that just because such and such a school right. does something. Yep. But all children are different. So even you know, even people in the Charlotte Mason world, when they use age, it's just all relative right. to where is that child in terms of their maturity and neurological growth. Right. And you know, like you said earlier, if a child is wanting to imitate you at a very early age, then that's when you start encouraging that's them to do so. That's when they will pick up that Sharpie and do damage. <laughs> well, thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing. Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.